What's up, you bunch of levitating lizards? That is the best I could come up with. Sometimes I don't feel good about it, okay? So that's a peek behind the curtain. I don't feel great about that one, but I didn't have a lot of time and we're here. And I'm, so I'm sorry in advance, it's a solo episode, okay? God, I, I wonder if I should say I'm sorry. I'm gonna like look at the analytics later and just be like, oh, every listener listened for exactly 18 seconds before turning it off. Well, you know what? If that's the price I have to pay, then that's the price I have to pay for being honest. I'm doing this in one take, damn it. I'm staying true to myself. I'm here solo again. Surprise, Grant's sick again. But also still, um, because I don't know, truthfully, if he ever fully recovered. I also don't know if I told you he was sick last week um, because I didn't want to, you know, breach his trust and his privacy. Um, but I've done that now, and I've committed to only doing one take, so I am sorry. I do reveal his full home address as well later in the episode. Stay tuned for that. Um, okay, so we're here. Uh, we talk Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Episode 19. I, I, I eat crow. I debate that, uh, I, I debate that uh, saying, actually, later on in the podcast, because Past Dave has recorded it. Uh, well, Past Dave now, Future Dave for you. Um, past day for me, but but um, I was wrong about a great many things last week. So, which was another solo episode, by the way. Um, if you haven't heard it, feel free to check that out uh, in anticipation of this one. But yeah, we need to talk about Jujutsu Kaisen and some uh, predictions that I was very wrong about. Pluto episode three, which really should just be called pilot. It's practically the pilot episode of the series. Um, we do news feed, a lot of exciting stuff. Um, very oddly. Barbenheimer and also MCU centric and then a shitload of trailers have uh, broken in the last couple of weeks uh, and then of course free run uh, free run episode 13 we talk about and then also just some of the general conversations around free run and then a stand-up comedy special recommendation two weeks in a row imagine that stand-up okay big shout out to the comic book shop on Bank Street at 128 Bank Street in Ottawa or at thecomicbookshop.com or on Instagram at comicbookshopbank they spell shop, S-H-O-P-P-E, and they bring you this podcast. We are supported by them, okay? So they support us, you support them, something, something, circle of life, okay? Check out their website, their Instagram, um, check out their wares, of which they have many. And again, as I always say, if you're a fan of this podcast, you'll probably like the goods they're hawking down there, okay? Figurines, manga, obviously comics. Gundam build kits, Magic the Gathering. I presume you've heard of that. Having a bit of a renaissance currently. I don't know. Is it having a renaissance? Did it ever go away? I don't know. Check them out. Show them some love. And uh, enjoy the show. Grant, you're, you still have to edit this. So, uh, three, two, one. What's up, Fuddruckers? We're back. Another special slash different episode of the podcast. You may notice I'm here alone again. Two weeks in a row. Some are beginning to question Grant's commitment to the podcast, I have to say. I'm not among them, but these uh, rumors have reached my ears. Uh, no, in seriousness, as past Dave has probably told you, but again, future Dave for me. 
Uh, Grant's still laid up, okay? He's got stuff going on. He's making a great, swift recovery. And I bet we'll be back on track next week, okay? And we're going to have uh, a lot to catch up on, a big old reunion. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to bless you with my dulcet tones. I mean, let's be honest, there's not much dulcet about them. I'm, uh, I can hear myself in disturbing clarity. I've, uh, this is the kind of thing you look forward to when you're in your early 30s. Um, is I've been comparing a new set of over-ear headphones for the last like several weeks to decide which will gain my loyalty. I know that you guys are really engaged in this kind of content, so bear with me. Um, but anyway, the point is I was going back and forth between this pair of Sennheiser Momentum 4s and the Sony XM5s. There's a lot to be said on this topic, believe me, I could do a whole episode on it. In fact, maybe I will. Grant can't even stop me. Um, anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this podcast with the XM5s, which I think are going to edge out the Sennheisers for a myriad of reasons. It's complicated. I have a SWOT analysis I'll put up on the Instagram. Don't tempt me. Um, but I can hear myself so clearly. It's distracting. I can hear the cat, but like the swish of Severus's tail behind me. It's absurd. Sam's like behind two doors. I can hear her like picking up things on the dresser in the bedroom. It's so weird. And it also makes you wonder like, can you guys hear that? I don't think you can, but if you can, let me know. Cause I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, all that to say the, the uh, audio setup is very sensitive on the Sony's, but, um, but like it's all being powered by the mic and the mic has changed nothing other than like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the mic in more clarity. So maybe, maybe this is what you guys have always heard. I, I, I don't know. Like I just heard something. I don't even know if it was in this room. It could be, that could have been down the hall for all I know. Anyway. Okay. I digress. Um, we have a couple things to catch up on. Primarily, you know, firstly, what is the the saying? Eat crow? Have you ever eaten crow? Um, is it eat crow? Eat your words? Eat something? I don't know. I was wrong. Okay, we'll start there. Let's talk about Jujutsu Kaisen. Season 2, episode 19. There's your spoiler warning. Last week, you know, I talked about episode 18. And then we had like this Q&A, I think from Abenak, because she's goat. Um, about, like, what do I think about Mahito's plan to, you know, unhinge Yuji or to, like, really mess him up mentally by, you know, potentially killing Nobara because he revealed that was his plan in, in last week's episode. And, you know, my take at that time was, like, I just don't see it happening. They've killed so many characters. They have wrought so much destruction and, like, the Q&A from last week was, like, do you even think it's necessary at this point? Like, is it overkill? Does Yuji really need another push? Like, does seeing more people he cares about die, will that, you know what I mean? Will, like, it lose steam? And my take was, yeah, I just don't think it's likely. I don't think they're likely to kill more major characters. And uh, here we are. So I gave you your spoiler warning, so get it on my face. But yeah, I, I was wrong. I completely went in the wrong direction. The um, the majority of this episode is on the Mahito fight, but it's like a dual fight because he split himself into a double. 
one version of him is fighting Nobara, and the other is fighting Yuji. Um, it's kind of like lots of edits, lots of cuts back and forth. By far the coolest part of the episode, well, I think it depends on your point of view, but my favorite part of the episode um, was when Nobara Kugasaki uses resonance on Mahito, and like, man, I wish Grant was here to talk about like the technique lore of the show, because we talk about that a lot, like how how overly complicated is this show at times with its technique stuff, um, but like, this made legit perfect sense to me, because we've literally seen at the end of season one, um, we saw resonance used in this way, where she beat it into one brother and it hurt the other. Um, and she beat it into Mahito's body double in this episode, and it hurt the main body. And the coolest part isn't that that worked and that she's, like, smart enough to pick up on that. The coolest part is that Yuji instantly knew it was her. You know, they had been through that fight before, they have chemistry, that he understands how her technique works, and, like, he didn't hesitate, and she gave an opportunity. And they had some really great animation, some really good emotional depth from Yuji, voice acting as well, and also just the animation. I already put up a freeze frame or a still from that fight um, of Yuji saying, you know, I think he says something like, you gave me hope to believe, or you, you let me believe that I'm not alone or something in that fight, which I think he probably needed because, you know, don't forget at the beginning of this episode, Mahito was literally using human hostages and, and fucking up Yuji, and that probably wasn't going to go well. Um, so, you know, for a minute there, it looks like we might, I, I never thought in this moment, at least, and I'm, I'm very hesitant to make any predictions going forward. Um, but in this moment, I never for a minute believed we were going to kill Mahito, right? Um, I guess you could. And like, you know, then I guess the focus of the show becomes more about like further fallout to Gojo's, I don't know, leave of absence and whatever, whoever is controlling Ghetto's marionette corpse. And yeah, I mean, like you probably, there's probably some stories worth telling there. But I think like Mahito, I'm guessing is here for the long term. But again, I'm not going to fucking predict anything anymore, or at least I'm not going to attempt to. Um, but yeah, but you know, so it doesn't go our way. Um, and they do a really, really good bait and switch on the audience. I've seen this on... Uh, plenty of reactors channels as well they got me and i think they got everybody with this gag where you know mahito runs from nobara and the main bodies are still getting shit kicked by yuji and they meet up and you assume the audience is led to believe that they're going to combine and maybe that you know now consolidated he'll be able to maybe perhaps fight both at once or something right at full strength but that's not what he does he switches out total misdirection and he slaps my girl in the face dude and then like you just know instantly like they go to flashback they go to they cut to the year 2009 um i i that takes up basically the entire second half of the episode is like seeing what nobara was like as a child showing you know it's hard to believe this is why i i don't i just don't know where the show is going sometimes and that's, I guess, both a good thing and a bad thing, but um, they show Nobara's interactions with two young girls um, when she's a kid. One is named Fumi, 
her friend her age, and the other, I can't remember, a bit of a mentor to her, who we later see at the end of the uh, episode, kind of wondering how the other two girls wound up. But one was clearly kind of a bit of a mentor for her that helped Nobara kind of come out of her shell and self-actualize a little bit and grow up a little bit and gave her, I think, probably a good role model. And then, you know, they wrap that all up. Nobara has this nice little poignant line about, you know, tell everybody, you know, life wasn't so bad or it wasn't so hard or something along those lines. And then, like, we see her face, you know, sort of distort. And then there's, like, we get... It, it goes to a back camera shot, quote camera, from behind her, and we see her face kind of explode and blood come, goes into the air, and then she falls over. And, you know, I think the assumption here is that she falls over completely dead, right? Maybe her... Maybe it wasn't enough to warp her body entirely. In fact, Mahito makes note of this. He says, you know, I wasn't able to kill the 7-3 sorcerer, uh, referring to Nanami, on his first moment of contact, but we'll see about Nobara. So it's it's interesting, right? Like, he gets her in the face. We don't see a total transformation. We just see a weird explosion. And he kind of sets it up like, oh, will it work? Because he doesn't even seem to know. And then we get these new characters introduced in the childhood flashback. And it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? As we like to say around here. So I just don't know. It seems like she's probably dead, right? Like we don't see the corpse. We, but like you see the UG reaction of him like being kind of freaked out and kind of maybe numb at this point. You got to wonder how he's going to react. But like, is she perma dead? I don't know. I, I sincerely don't. Um, we still haven't seen what happened to Maki. Um, the old guy who got uh, set aflame by Jogo is probably gone, but Maki's TBD, Nobara as well. Like, that's just a lot, man. But I don't know. It's the Shibuya incident. Everybody keeps talking about how dark this is. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel bummed out i know grant really really liked that character and i did too and she definitely felt a little underserved in season two just in terms of screen time but you gotta wonder like maybe that's intentional and it makes it hurt a little bit more because she was so charming and the chemistry was so good in season one and you were like god i can't wait to go back to that you know we got a little tease at the beginning of season two when i think she was trying to set up megami with someone or was it yuji i can't remember but you know, we got, like, a bit of the trio, the lightheartedness, and, like, that's... But it's blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. It just felt like that character had legs and could go for a little while, especially in the trio. But, alas, maybe not. Maybe that's why it stings. I don't know. Definitely unexpected. You know what I mean? It's like, congrats, you have, quote, subverted my expectations, but not in the shitty Game of Thrones way. So, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I keep saying I don't know. I, you know, I lean on a lot of, like, ums and I don't knows and stuff. Grant's usually here to fill the space, okay? So I'm learning this about myself, so have patience. Um, yeah, I wonder if you guys were as heartbroken as I was. I saw, you know, the, I think the social media outcry was intense. Um, Animation-wise, um, what, what can I say? Good episode, nothing, like, fucking crazy, but, like, good. Legit good what you would kind of expect of Jujutsu Kaisen these days. Um, I haven't heard of any follow-up scandals, but even then, even if I had, it's like, what do you guys want me to say? It's like, yes, people are still overworked and exhausted and like threatening suicide online before they delete it. Like, I, you know what I mean? Yes, working conditions are still terrible. Yes, production schedules are still unreasonable. That has not changed since last week. 
Um, okay. Pluto. Man. I could go on Pluto for a while. I want to have a deep dive with Grant when he's back. But the amount of notes I took in episode three are just absurd because it's like i think what you the takeaway for pluto e3 is oh okay so the show starts in episode three like i think episodes one and two you basically meet the main character or characters you get a brief introduction to the mystery and the world building and then i like i mean i don't know what the pacing is like for the rest of the series or season or whatever but in Pluto episode three, so much shit happens. It's like, I, I was really trying to be concise and only take notes that matter. But it seems like they set up the entire plot for the rest of the season in this one episode. We meet like five new characters. We get a ton of clarity on the investigation. Um, a huge amount of shit happens. I tried to write it out. I dictated this to my phone in a, uh, well, a debatable state. So let's see, let's see if I can summarize this. We meet Uran, Adam's sister, um, another android that seems to be able to sense fear in both people and animals. Adolf, an aptly named cult member, um, who apps robot-hating cult member whose family has been permanently impacted by uh, the robot's uh, disruption to society. Pluto, a robot created by another new character named Professor Ab Abula. And Epsilon, a uh, one of the seven, a pacifist, deep-thinking robot who fears an incoming conflict. And, of course, there's Greshit, who we get confirmation is one of the, quote, seven important robots that have the ability to become weapons of mass destruction, I guess. Uh, and he's still trying to solve this uh, series of robot murders while also uh, coming to terms with the fact that maybe some of his memories have been altered. Like, they, uh, to be fair, they didn't do that in a 22-minute episode of anime. This was an hour long, so they covered a lot of ground. And it doesn't feel disjointed. It feels like a mini-movie. And it remain, It continually looks like a mini-movie. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think Pluto... I, you know, I think the big drop is Professor... And I could be wrong, because I was trying to keep up, but there's a lot going on here. I believe that... Professor Abula or Abula, I might have you know the pronunciation or the name wrong, but it sounds like this mysterious man who set off like a, an alarm walking through like a robot thing who claims that most of his organic body was lost in the war, so he's presumably some kind of hybrid. He seems to have, quote, created some of these robots and uh, Pluto maybe being one of them and Pluto being this like mysterious man that Uran, Adam's sister, finds alone, kind of like in an underpass, um, in a body that it turns out he may have uh, temporarily hijacked, because we find out, like, like, come on, like, does this not sound convoluted? It's just hard to summarize, right? Like, I don't know, but okay, here, here are my takeaways. I think Pluto is this giant, terrifying robot we see at the end that was also foreshadowed earlier in the episode that other people refer to as Bora. Um, I think it's just this thing that brings death and destruction is potentially also responsible for these, you know, localized tornadoes and the murder of these other specific special seven robots of which Greshit is one, Epsilon is one, Hercules is one more, I'm assuming Adam, I guess. Maybe Uran. I don't know. I mean, is that five? I don't know. 
But um, yeah, so I imagine that Pluto is going to become an important character. Adam, I, I don't know why. I thought Adam was going to be like the central character to the story. But maybe maybe it's more complex than that. And you know what? I like that. I like a surprise. I don't really know who the quote MC or main character is in this right now. It feels like it's Gresham. It feels like it's Adam's going to be important. But the name of the show is called Pluto. And I'm pretty sure we met Pluto just now. But I could also be wrong in that Pluto was created by this professor who seems, uh, shall we say, morally um, complex. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And then, then there's a character named Adolf who, you know, he just, I think his beef was like, you know, he has childhood trauma because his uh, family was impacted by the robot kind of industry disruption. His brother was killed potentially by a robot, I think by a gun that only Greshit has or Geshit has. And um, when that happens, this is the weird thing is like you can only collect the corpse after three years. I don't know if that's like if the it's the corpse of a deceased person that there's some like weird time thing to how the collection of the body works. But he determines afterwards, post-mortem, that his brother was killed by a very special shell that we see Geshit or Greshit has earlier in that episode. So there's like, you know, and then also Greshit may not be like a reliable narrator because of this memory revelation. Like they packed so much into this episode. I was very engaged, but I was like, okay, this is a lot. Like, I'm curious to see if um, every episode after this is like this packed. Or if they're going to give it a little bit more time to breathe. But I don't know. Um, this is a huge amount of stuff to cover. Um, we're going to continue to try doing like one a week. But this was very fun. Okay. How about some news? I was actually about 20 minutes into this. Uh, Variety, I think, does this series called Actors on Actors. Where it's like two people, two actors uh, interviewing each other. Some of the pairings make sense. Like, they're, like, actors that you know are, like, buddies. Like, one of them, I think, from this season is, like, Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of a lot of uh, experience working together with the, within the MCU and all that. But the leading uh, episode, and this is the one that I turned on, uh, is the uh, are the two leading uh, casts from uh, Barbenheimer. They got Margot Robbie uh, and uh, Killian Murphy. And they talk about, like, this kind of unique experience of competing with one another... What are their individual processes like? What was the process of making each respective film? The reception to both? How kind of... It was this crazy moment in pop culture that people actually went out and saw both. You know, like at that... I remember tracking the box office at that time and it was like, wow, Bar you know, Barbie's going to double Oppenheimer. But like they're both billion dollar movies plus at this point. I don't know if Oppenheimer ever, ever crossed the billion mark, but it's... I think well into the eights or $900 million worth of box office. It's absolutely nuts. So that was a really, really fun interview. I highly recommend checking it out if you're into that kind of like artsy fartsy stuff. Um, hey, more Rago, uh, Margot Robbie news. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling to star as Danny Ocean's parents in Ocean's Eleven prequel. Uh, set, I think, in like Miami in like 1965 or something. I don't know. I... I don't know if the Oceans franchise needs more. I gotta be honest. Uh, you know, I just exited uh, talking about Barbie and what a great movie it was. And it's Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Again, I just don't know if we need this, but I guess we'll see. Um, Kevin Feige, here's some MCU news a little bit. Uh, Kevin Feige has interjected uh, into the pop culture to say, hey, we're not going to bring Iron Man back, 
Iron Man back. Everybody chill. We're going to keep that quote. We're going to keep that moment and not touch that moment again. We all worked very hard for many years to get to that, and we would never want to magically undo it in any way, end quote. So I think maybe that is like, you know, hopefully to dispel rumors that they were considering bringing back, you know, the original six or seven Avengers to try and right the ship um, that is currently hemorrhaging uh, money. Uh, that is the MCU. Uh, further to that, second story on the MCU, Bob Iger. This is kind of like further to the quote from last week. It says that Disney has been making too many sequels recently, but that uh, doesn't mean that the studio will scrap them outright. Quote, moving forward, we will only greenlight a sequel if we believe the story that the creators want to tell is worth telling. End quote. I got it. I don't know. It's pretty hilarious. I think I had a riff on this last week about like a buddy of mine got pulled over, right? And the cop was like, oh, this is, you know, seatbelt awareness month. And it was like, my friend was like, as opposed to every other month. It's just weird. Like, the, it's weird that Bob and Kevin would have to specify these things. We're only going to do things if they're good. Because as of late, we've been doing things that are exclusively bad. I don't know, man. It's weird to have to even say that. Um, but it's funny, right? Because do you know how you get to this place? You get to this place with the next story in the newsfeed. The Boys Mexico has <laughs> a spinoff in development. We've got The Boys, we've got Gen V, we've got Season 4 trailer, The Boys that just dropped. Who knows? You know, are they going to wrap it up with a movie? Who knows? Uh, but they'll have two spinoffs and whoever knows, God knows how many more seasons before this thing is over. And, like, I don't know, you have to, I think, feel a bit of the irony at play here, right? Like, The Boys exists at this point, like, primarily as, like, a... Uh, I don't know, a, um, what's the word, social, piece of social commentary, both on, like, one, how hilariously oversaturated uh, the box office has been with uh, superhero-related content, but it's also, like, attempting, you know, to hold up a bit of a mirror and how absurd we are and absurd mainstream current media is, and I get that and I appreciate it, and does it get a little tired at times? Like, yeah, sure, but you know what? Like, it's a fun show, it's, and, like, people actually watch it, and there aren't many hit shows like The Boys out there at, at this moment. So I'm down, you know, enjoy it. I'm not going to yuck your yum. I think it's fun. But it is funny that like there it is a hit. And now they're like, yeah, we're never going to stop this. There's no end in sight for the main show. And also here's two spinoffs. And it's only up from here. And it's like, it's like the, uh, the Obi-Wan quote, you know what I mean? Until now, um... You have become the very thing you swore to destroy. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of funny. But then again, let's be real. It is made by fucking Amazon and Seth Rogen. And believe me, Seth Rogen is not a saint. All right? You can support Houseplant all you want, but look into it. I'm kidding. He's probably fine. Um, okay, I mentioned the Boys Season 4 trailer was released. There's a shitload of trailers that have dropped in the last seven days. The Boys Season 4, House of the Dragon Season 2... Uh, coming summer 2024, Suicide Squad has an anime uh, trailer that dropped, which actually looks kind of legit interesting. Uh, God, why? Ted has a prequel series that a trailer dropped for, which is hitting Peacock in January. God, who watches Peacock? Are you listening to this, watching the Peacock? Apparently, like, a great many of you that listen are in the United States, where I believe Peacock is hosted. How many of you are listed? What's the crossover like between the Part-Time Otaku podcast, Venn Diagram, and, uh, overlaid on top of Peacock? 
I imagine we have as many listeners as they have subscribers. And that's mostly because I don't believe they're successful. Uh, moving on. And, that, okay, trailer I actually care about. New trailer for uh, HBO's True Detective. Season 4 starring Jodie Foster. <sighs> Getting close here. January 14th this thing comes out. I'm going to check it out. I haven't missed an episode of True Detective. I think season one, not a hot take, is like one of the best seasons of TV ever made. Uh, and they seem to be hinting that they might be returning to that timeline or at least that story with like some Carcosa callbacks in the trailers. I'm trying not to look too closely, but that is the cheddar. So, I don't know. Interesting, I suppose. Um, okay, that's it for news and uh, trailers that have dropped. Okay, Freerun. Episode 13, I gotta say, decent episode, but among the weaker ones uh, for me. Um, okay, first let's talk about episode 13, and then we'll talk about Free Run like, at large for like a hot second. Um, basically, this is a recruitment episode. She saves a priest who's like stuck in like some quicksand. I believe his name is Sign. She saves him. Stark gets bit by a snake. Lo and behold, Sign turns out to be a healing priest prodigy. Prodigy. I can do this. A healing priest prodigy. Nailed it. You just you don't have to think about it too hard. Don't look at the words when you're stuck like that. Um, so he saves Stark, and then they basically spend the rest of the episode trying to recruit him. You know, some of it's funny, some of it's cute, some of it's annoying. Um, but, like, that is the bulk of the episode and in the end he of course decides to join them so the four of them are set out on their uh, long journey literally to heaven um i saw i think i even put it on our podcast this week that or the instagram rather at part-time otaku podcast which i'm sure you're following uh and along with our instagram uh along with our tiktok rather good lord um but think my anime list like people have recently like bombarded free run beyond journey's end with like a bunch of top ratings that have knocked full metal alchemist brotherhood out of the number one spot i guess i'll briefly touch on this and say two things one this show is 13 episodes into its first season if you don't think they have time to ruin it I don't think you've watched anime before. So one, it is, or t and so yeah, uh, one, they have time to ruin it. Two, it is absolutely premature. And three, like the whole bombarding reviews thing is just weird. But okay, four, I will relent on this. And this isn't, you know, regardless of my attachment to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, especially like, you know, having a dope, awesome tattoo of it. Um, try not to carry my bias in here. But I have heard that like any time a show takes the number one spot, like, all these Full Metal Alchemist fans come out of the woodwork and they intentionally review bomb that show and then, like, leave new reviews on Full Metal to, like, make sure it keeps its number one spot. That's just juvenile. It is tricky, though. Like, I will say, like, you think about, th like, highest rated things on, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, my anime list. It's tricky because these platforms have only been around with critical user bases for not long at all. Like how old is the internet and then think about how long film has been going on for and like i don't know it's not a great representation of what a true quote all-time list should really be right i'm not saying i have the right answer i'm just saying like every anime hasn't been like community voted 
uh, they, they haven't had a fair representation just by basis of how long these platforms have been available versus the actual art form itself. But anyway, uh, good episode of Free Run. I, yeah, I don't know if it's the best anime on the planet. And to say that it is after 13 episodes, is a little nuts. Um, okay, last thing, little uh, quick little recommendation for you. Um, another podcast, or another podcast, another comedy special. I'm not doing this on purpose. I think, what was it? Nick Katz? Something Katz last week. Um, this, or no, it's probably Larry Katz? I don't know. Look look at last week. What do I know? What do I care? This week, it's Nick Mullen. Um, special is called Year of the Dragon. It's got, it's direct on YouTube. It's got over 600,000 views in less than 24 hours. Uh, last time I checked, I have not heard of Nick Mullen. Like, I mean, I've heard of him. I've never heard him speak. Uh, I got posted to the Adam Freeland uh, show channel on YouTube. But again, just Google or YouTube, you know, Nick Mullen comedy special or Nick Mullen year of the dragon and uh, you'll be directed to it. It has been a sincerely fantastic list or a year uh, to uh, for comedy. Um, some of my favorite specials in a long time have come out this year. And I think, you know, when we look at 2023, kind of in the rearview mirror, I don't know if we'll do like a top five podcast again or what, what we're going to do. Uh, that will actually require Grant to attend one of them, of course, um, for end of year. But, you know, maybe we should do like a little bonus section of like some of my favorite or our favorite stand-up specials that have come out this year. Because there have been, there've just been so many. And the, and the level, it just it sincerely feels like it's rising. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm always a little reticent to bring up stand-up comedy in general because, you know, stand-up tends to intentionally... It depends on the comic, but I, I would say Nick Mullen is no, obsec, uh, no exception in this case that he brings up, you know, there are a lot of comics that intentionally bring up divisive, controversial subjects to make you laugh at them and kind of disarm you about it and things aren't so serious and uh it's comedy right so i think if jokes about real topics or real life topics upset you and especially if you you know really don't love anything remotely politically taboo uh then you probably won't enjoy this special or most of comedy um but if you're a stand-up fan um, highly recommend it. It's really cool to see these comics putting their own specials out self-produced and uh, seeing them get more views independently than they would if they went with a you know major streaming partner. So um, definitely support it if you can, if you're a fan, uh, highly recommend it. Okay, Nick Mullen, you're the dragon. I think that's it. I told you this would be a quick one, you know, 31 minutes. I think, again, this is still evidence that I can talk alone in a room for sustained periods of time and I'm like in a rush, you know, I'm hungry, I have things to do, so this isn't bad. Um, but I think, you know, we're all probably thinking the same thing. I would probably prefer Grant to be here, um, if nothing else, uh, to make to remind me that I'm not going insane recording these alone, but also uh, for his input and for his thought and for me to bounce off of. We're a team, Grant and I, right? It's the part-time otaku podcast, not the Dave talks everybody to sleep uh, in a white padded room podcast. So thanks for listening. Hopefully Grant's feeling better and he's back next week. Um, regardless, uh, I'm sure we'll have an episode out uh, exactly in a week's time. Please follow us on uh, TikTok and on Instagram at Part-Time Otaku Podcast. Don't forget to sh uh, support the comic book shop on Bang Street, which past day will have told you all about, I'm sure. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.
Cheers.